Welcome back to He's Dead Jim. We're watching Star Trek, the original series, one episode at a time. And uh, this week we've reached our first major milestone. We've hit the season finale from season one. I'm Mick McConnell, and please welcome all the way from New York, the wonderful Emily Lind. Hello. Good morning, Emily. How are you, pal? I'm good. I'm getting ready for Star Wars Celebration next week, and so I've been in panic mode, but other than that, things are okay. So exciting. Have you got your bags packed for Chicago? Oh, I mean, I don't leave until Tuesday, so I still have, I have piles of things that are going to be packed. Have you packed your lightsaber? (laughs) I have not packed my lightsaber, but I did write some Star Wars porn for Steel Saunders to perform at a live show. (laughs) I was was going to ask about that. Um, I, oh man, I haven't heard any of your Star Wars, um, fan fiction porn for a couple of years yeah this is it's only the second it's only the second one but i guess that means it's now a tradition yeah yeah well that's that's now your career <laughs> fan fiction porn writer fantastic <laughs> so good we've made it we've finally done it we've made the season finale it's an exciting time thanks everybody for hanging in there well it's, sorry it's taken a few weeks to get these apps out it's it's a long season. <laughs> yeah, tw- well, thirty episode season, including the pilot. Man, it's taken us about a year, but we've made it. So exciting! We've got a fabulous guest on this week. I couldn't think of anybody better to join us for the season finale. This week's guest is one of my most favourite comedians. He's an actor, writer, radio presenter. And he's Australian comedy podcast royalty. Please welcome the fabulous Adam Richard. <laughs> royalty? Is that because I'm a queen? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to. Yes. I was going to go for a niche. <laughs> Mick is deeply homophobic. I don't know if you knew that. But... <laughs> you know, I I suspected it, but in the other way, in the way that you know he's way too interested in it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> That sounds about right. I was gonna, I was gonna introduce you as Dubbo FM's the snake, oh, but I thought that was maybe too niche a podcasting reference. No, people think That's... I do actually work there. I had someone come up to the, <laughs> up to the comics lounge once and say, uh, after I'd done a gig, go, so how often do you get down from Dubbo? I'm like, I don't even, I've never been to Dubbo in my life. It's a stupid joke. <laughs> oh man, I'd love the the outside broadcast from Dubbo FM. We're back at the zoo again. <laughs> Oh, I've always wanted to go there. Maybe I should go. Oh, it's good. <laughs> I love you can, the zoo. <laughs> I haven't done it, but you can camp out with the animals. I've done that at Werribee in Victoria. That's How's that? Fun. Yeah, awesome, because you like sleep up on this plateau and then you can look out and there's all the African wildlife, except in the freezing cold of Melbourne. <laughs> 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 the smell of the Werribee shit farm down the road. <laughs> there you go. So do you... I know Dubbo, I think they'll wake you up at 4am and then you, you go about, you go and feed the animals. Oh, fun. So, yeah, I'd sounds exciting. That's, that's an awesome zoo because it's so huge and spread out. But, of course, you know that as um, the anchor of Dubbo <laughs> FM. Yeah, we do all of our OVs there uh, uh, in between appearances at the front door of Harvey Norman. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> So this, of course, is a very niche for fans of the I Love Green Guide Letters podcast. This is all for you. Yeah. Very niche reference. Seven <laughs> very <people>. good. 
<laughs> from like four years ago. Yes, yeah, a oh, while back. Yeah, I know it's ancient. I don't think I've ever done that podcast for about two years. <laughs> yeah, well, it's sort of it's an intermittent podcast now. It sort of comes up every comedy festival, I think. While while Steel's busy doing Steel Wars yes. in the states and and being a dad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's those pesky hard. babies get in the way a lot. I know they that's do. my excuse for taking a month to get each episode out. <laughs> <laughs> Australian fans would know Adam from Whovians lately, so that it's just the the talking Doctor Who show, I guess. Oh, uh, look, I wonder about the the crossover between Doctor Who and Star Trek and Star Wars. Like, I did we did a crossover episode of the Shelf with Steel, which was so yeah. Steel Wars versus the Shelf, and there was some crazy woman who decided to just bail us up afterwards and talk incessantly about J.J. Abrams until the cows came home. Uh, wow. Was that me? Was that me in disguise? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think it was before J.J. had got his mitts on Star Wars or like it had been announced, but we hadn't seen it yet. And she wanted to tell us how he destroyed Star Trek and it was never going to be the same again. Oh, so uh, she was anti-lens flare. Yeah, she was against the lens flare. Oh, wow. I know. There you go. Um, yeah, Whovians is a wonderful show on, oh, uh, on ABC. Um, so, and I watch. I probably watch it more than I watch Doctor Who, actually. <laughs> we have a number of viewers who have never watched an episode of Doctor Who, but they watch all of the Whovians. <laughs> it's and wonderful. And I was like, how do you even know what's happening? <laughs> did, I, did I hear that show sent overseas as well? Um, I think it's available. I don't know how it works. I think, yeah. Okay. I don't know how it, but, you know, it's the ABC. They don't tell us anything. It, I well, my producer it, eight weeks to tell me that I was no good at my job. So, look. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's only a 10 week season, buddy. You could have had this sorted in, in about a fortnight. <laughs> wow. There you go. Yeah. Timely I feedback. To, I used to sit in the office next to him when I was working on the weekly with Charlie Pickering. And he was always gone by five, so it's not like he ran out of time. Uh, <laughs> Just trying to pluck up the carriage. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think you're great at it. Um, oh, bless you. <laughs> and, yeah, so if, if you're listening to this overseas, if you find a way to watch Whovians, I recommend it, even if you're only a casual Doctor Who fan like It'll me. It'll be somewhere. The ABC aren't really crazy about <laughs> Securing their copyright. Okay, I'll have to. St- I'll have to see if I can find it because I, I miss hearing you talk about Doctor Who, Adam. That was like one of my favorite things on the shelf. Oh, bless you! I can send you a um a mega link if you want that I found on one of my <laughs> stupid Doctor Who sites. <laughs> your own show i didn't do it someone else did (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna complain about it it's not my show i don't own it (laughs) if it was outland they'd be outraged (laughs) (laughs) i've got proper participation in that (laughs) so speaking of outland so outland's a a comedy series that adam wrote and acted in (laughs) co-wrote oh co-wrote that's right yeah co-wrote (laughs) co-created Uh, it's about a group of LGBT sci-fi geeks, according yeah. to Wikipedia. Um, and so you played Fab. Yeah. It, which is, Fab was a supporting actor. I want Fab to get a spin-off with his own show. 
rather. <laughs> I, want, I want to know more about Fab's life. Uh, I, I deliberately, when we were coming up with episode um, breakdowns, I deli- like everyone had their own episode and I deliberately made Fab not be in his one. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, the more you know about Fab, the less you'd probably like. <laughs> Fab's wonderful. Um so I, I did actually. So this is from uh, I think it aired in 2012. I actually yeah. I tracked it down on iTunes. I just bought it for 15 bucks. Oh, awesome. So I, I recommend grabbing Outland if you can if you can find it. That's on the Australian store, but might get Emily, our New York correspondent, to see if it's kicking around the US store. It might be somewhere. Who knows? I'm actually curious about that. Wonderful show. But yeah, I definitely want to see a fab spin-off. Except you'd have to shave your beard. Oh, don't! I've, I mean, I've <laughs> trimmed it back. It's not as um, fulsome as it was <laughs> when I was doing beards. Because <laughs> I lost Very a lot good. of weight, and then because my beard was so enormous, I started to look like a weird hairy Pez dispenser. So I. <laughs> <laughs> Is that not the look you were going for? No. <laughs> Trying not to have liver problems. <laughs> Good call, the wizard. By the way, cares. I live near the airport, so my apologies for if you hear planes. <laughs> not at all. We'll filter it out. I'll just run the airport filter. <laughs> we do a bit of a. I've called it the meritocracy quiz. Mm. A little Star Trek quiz, just only because we've got friends that do a pretty commie podcast called Ain't It Rich, and they have their rich quiz. So I, I ripped this off them. <laughs> And keep trying to sell them on a Star Trek meritocracy instead. So the the first question is, what job would you choose to do on the Enterprise? On the Enterprise? Yeah. Um, oh, I think I'd be the Bolian hairdresser that used to do Mr. Captain Picard's hair because it doesn't look like oh, a nice. very difficult job. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> was it Mr. Mott? Was that his name? I can't even remember now. Yes. Oh, there you oh, go. Man. It's I knew there was something in my head. <laughs> oh, man, it's been too long since I've watched Next Generation. I need to go back. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and also just because I get to spend a full day in makeup getting turned blue. Uh, oh, nice. And as anyone who works in television knows, makeup is where all the gossip is at. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, it'd be much better working on Picard's hair than working on Kirk's hair, I reckon. Oh, no, Kirk's hair wouldn't be too bad. you just got to glue it on. you just got – it'd be the night before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be the hard work. <laughs> I reckon he'd be demanding, though. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> also, you've got to stop him eating it. Um <laughs> Making out with it. Oh, getting it drunk. <laughs> well, you'd have to find a way to put it on him, but you'd never be allowed to mention that it was a piece. Yeah. So that's got to be pretty difficult. Yes. You've got to, you've got to be able to dribble do a to his job. Head. It'd be like being the um, working, <laughs> working in the mall at the bottom of Barbara Streisand's house. <laughs> you'd have to. You'd have to sign so many non-disclosure agreements. It would be actually quite restrictive to have a conversation with anyone at any time. Wow. Oh, man. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Which alien race would you choose to be in the Star Trek universe? Look, I think I'm going to go with Bolians again because... (laughs) (laughs) 
into just do fun stuff. <laughs> you never see them running into danger or <laughs> getting blown up. It's just, yeah, hairdressing, <laughs> curating museums. <laughs> nice. So they're very much into the service industries. Yes. Is that right? I, I don't know much about Bolians. I want to know more now. <laughs> I want to see. I want to go and read some Bolian fanfic. <laughs> oh, I was. Can I just say I was very sad this week to read that one of my favourite Star Trek authors passed away. Uh, Vonda and McIntyre, who wrote um, the first Star Trek book that I ever read, The Entropy Effect, which I think was like the first of the post motion picture books. Maybe it was before the motion picture, but yeah, like in the late seventies. I am an old man. <laughs> there you go. So original season or original series cast. Oh, yeah, yeah and movies, pre yeah. pre next generation. So Yeah, and she did wow. she did a couple of the movie novelizations, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did, she did. Yeah, she was a great writer. And you know, and she liked she liked writing stories for, for Sulu, which no one else really wanted to. <laughs> oh well. She used to have him going off fencing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is Sulu's probably the funnest character in this series. He's always just got a mad grin on him, and he's just loving life. Oh, that's because you're pre checkoff. Like you are, you are, you are ah, about yep. to hit the craziness. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read somewhere, or I heard someone, on, I think, on a podcast talking about how um, people were suggesting that. Uh, Sulu would be a good character, like reimagining Sulu as a gay character. Mm. And supposedly um, George Takai was against it. Um, and it happened anyway. <laughs> so, that, hang on, did that happen in the movies? Yeah, or in is the that third a movie in uh, uh, okay. Beyond, you Yeah, you see, like, his, his husband and daughter, I think. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. He was just upset because he thought he was playing playing that character straight. <laughs> and their decision to make him gay just showed what a what a lack of range he actually does have as an actor. <laughs> That's why he was annoyed. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. I just I was interested to know what you, how you felt about sort of retconning or changing characters, but it's not. In, again, it's in a like a new telling of the story with a different actor. It's not really retconning. Well, they, I mean, Gene Roddenberry pretty much made Spock and Kirk gay in his novelization of the Star Trek motion picture. Like there was, <laughs> it's <laughs> really? not even subtle. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it was all all over by the bumming. Like, <laughs> and, and watch it. The episode we're meant to be talking about today is like, Kirk seems more upset <laughs> that Spock's got a hole in his neck <laughs> than his <laughs> dead brother. <laughs> oh, he's way more upset. <laughs> so I'm like, maybe they are bumming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> like he seems more upset by the nephew and the spaceman. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he seems to yeah, gloss over all that pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What food would you like to replicate first when you first get on the Enterprise? Oh, look, I've 
If I could make, um, if I could get the replicator to make a low carb mac and cheese, that would be my dream. Because <laughs> 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 I've recently gone zero, well, not zero carb, but very low carb, and it means there's no. There's no pasta in my life and I miss it. And, you know, you just can't make mac and cheese out of zucchini noodles. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so if I could make a mac and cheese and, like, even better, a toasted mac and cheese sandwich or a deep fried mac and cheese balls with a yummy dipping sauce, like, if I could make that and have it remove all the bad carbs, I'd, that'd, that'd be my replicator <laughs> number one. <laughs> I was going to say, next time you're in Brisbane, I can probably rig that up in my microwave. But the yeah, it's just the low carb <laughs> mod I've got to do. I know, I know. It's not, it's not easily done. <laughs> I'll try and do that. I'll hook a raspberry pie up to my microwave and see if I can mod it. <laughs> I think you've got to also, you know, the thing I love about the replicator is they never say it out loud, but because there's a reclamator as well. Uh, <laughs> which, which is reclaiming things. So essentially, I'm imagining it's basically you do a shit <laughs> in the space toilet. <laughs> that goes in the reclamator and then it pops back out of the replicator. So you're eating your own poo, reorganized. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well,. What? I'm never going to be able to get that out of my head now when I'm watching him replicate anything. I'm very, I'm very annoying to watch television. With. <laughs> well, it's it's nothing if not efficient. Oh, very efficient. I think there was there was an episode of Futurama where they went to not Futurama Family Guy. There's an episode of Family Guy where they went to the future, and I think that that had the technology where you could be just strolling along, and it just removes waste from your body while yeah. you're strolling. So, so time efficient. Yeah. You don't even have to stop in the space toilet. <laughs> the space toilet. <laughs> so I think it's the recycling bit. I can't get past that. <laughs> Final question now, meritocracy quiz. Mm. What would you most like to do in the holodeck? In the holodeck? I would probably just ask it to make a bean bag. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can just buy those, I'm pretty sure. You know, I've got one. But then, like, put whatever <laughs> I wanted to watch on, like, the whole of the place. So I don't have oh, to nice. interact with it. Mm. <laughs> I don't want to join in. <laughs> But I want to sit in a beanbag, a holographic beanbag, while my holographic stories are happening around me. <laughs> nice. That's, that's really good. <laughs> well, what, what do you reckon you'd be, would be your first choice for a movie then? Well, I'd have it maybe reconstruct some of those um, missing Doctor Who's. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Would, would they be in black and white? Uh, yeah. I mean, you can make, like, you can have them in colour. Oh, hang on. I've just, I'm being attacked by, oh, I've been destroyed on my, my Star Trek game. How annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Man, so this is happening real time. (laughs) I'm asking for help if you're in my little gang of Star Trek people on my Fleet Commander game. (laughs) (laughs) What's this on iPhone or your computer? iPad. I'm too old to do it on the phone. It's too little. (laughs) (laughs) I need big buttons for my fat fingers. (laughs) I'll I'll be expecting updates throughout the episode. (laughs) Oh, no, it was just an alert. I saw it out of the corner of my eye and I went, oh, 
Attack me while I'm mining tritanium. (laughs) (laughs) We need need a bit of tritanium or a bit of trillium later in this episode. Um, So in in the black black and white um, Doctor Who episode in the holodeck, Mm -hmm. are you black and white as well in your beanbag or are you just blindingly highlighted in colour in the middle of the action? Look, I I can't really see myself. Like, you know, if I look down, I guess I'm in colour, but I'm in the dark. <laughs> for so long as I can see my coffee or whatever I'm drinking. <laughs> I love it. But what if the the typical bug happens in the holodeck and the monsters come to life? Oh, uh, look, you know, it is easy to run away from uh, <laughs> from members of the Royal Shakespeare <laughs> Company who are wearing a sleeping bag. <laughs> <With double weapons. laughs> Excellent. (laughs) They never really pretended to run very fast away from anyone. (laughs) Very good. I love it. Oh, man. A few of these um, creatures in the original series would be pretty easy to outrun too, I think. Like this episode is (laughs) 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 point. Now, I noticed I had a quick look at um, Fab... Fab's blog. So I know for for Outland, you made a whole blog website on Tumblr <laughs> for Fab, where he writes about the X Files and his favourite movies and mm. and Star Trek original series. So at the end of this episode, I might get you to read out Fab's summary of <laughs> okay. which is it's very good, it's very concise. Uh, I think it's much better than the job I'm about to do. <laughs> Did, did you write all of that blog yeah. yourself? Yeah, that was well after the series had finished. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm looking at it now and it's got it's got a picture of um Adam or Fab in a um, in, in a cloth Dalek suit. <laughs> <laughs> just the biggest grin and just a heap of planets. I think it's like the Voyager probe. Oh, my goodness. It's so good. I think this is my favourite website. Oh, man. I'm just going to book even at work. I'm going to bookmark it as my homepage. Okay. That's brilliant. Like, Sorry. How, how long after the series finished did you write that? Uh, well, we finished filming in at the end of 2010. So... And then it went to air in like February 2012. So this was like from October. So, you know, eight months later. <laughs> oh, yeah. But so it was still part of the, like, the launch of the series. It's not something you write like no, yesterday. The series launched in February. Oh, like, okay. it was well gone. It was a six week show. <laughs> the ABC didn't even care about it after week four. They made, <laughs> made a promo for the final two episodes and just went, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> so, not even, you're not even supporting the DVD sales or anything? <laughs> Oh, maybe I don't know. Like we, don't know. we didn't get anything from it. Like I just did it for mm. fun. <laughs> Man, it's so good. It's good work. <laughs> and have you seen it. Fab's got like a video blog as well, which goes with um, like I they were uploaded with each episode. Yeah, I think I did watch that a while back or at but, yeah, the time. It was, I had this. I had this crazy <laughs> idea a million years ago. Like, what if someone? Because I used to love reading books of terrible movie reviews. <laughs> Um, and I thought, what if someone wrote a narrative that went through a bunch of reviews? Like you're reading the reviews, but you're actually getting an insight into their 
their life story. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so nice. I, I turned that into <laughs> Fab's things. <laughs> Fab every week is doing a video blog about some movie or another <laughs> or a TV show, and which is kind of the show that Outland is riffing on in that week's episode. Um, and then, yeah, he ends up just having this other story that's going on. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. It's so good. I'll, um, I'll put a link up in the show notes this week and uh, put a link to Outland on iTunes. We can track it down in the US store. Um, so, yeah, get ready for a terrible recap. Yay! Uh, <laughs> this week we watched Operation Annihilate, which is episode 29 from season one. It's uh, episode 30 on Netflix. And that's the last time I have to mention the different Netflix order. <laughs> um, <laughs> the air date was uh, April 13, 1967 on ABC, on, on NBC. Uh, it was written by Stephen Karabatsos and directed by Herschel Doherty. Now, I'm going to have to pull you up right away here, Mick, because Please. this is not just Operation Annihilate. It's Operation Dash Dash Annihilate Explanation Mark. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Operation Annihilate! <laughs> Why? I want you to shout it each time. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of the exclamation mark. <laughs> I am baffled by the dash. Yeah. <laughs> look, uh, as, a, as a fan of Doctor Who, who grew up reading the Terence Dix <laughs> novelizations, because we didn't have videotapes back then, um... Every second chapter had an exclamation mark at the end of it. So, and it was often things like, escape to danger! <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very excited by a title with an exclamation mark in it. It's like when, you know, my, one of my favourite ba bands as a kid was Wham! <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like every one of my text messages and Facebook comments, I'm getting ready to be a grandma on Facebook. <laughs> This is, this is something that's followed me through to my working life as, as an adult. Like when we write, I write for um, the Tom Gleason quiz show, Hard Quiz, and so good. When we write the word "not," we put it in capital letters just so it's you know obvious when people are reading it, the text on the screen. <laughs> but Tom has chosen to use this as a stage direction. <laughs> Whenever he's reading it out, it's like, which of these is not? <laughs> A member of the village people. <laughs> or whatever the question is. Oh, man. I love the way Tom delivers everything. His, his inflection's very alarming. <laughs> when Tom shouts, it's quite terrifying. <laughs> is, yeah, yeah. He's so, like, he's so happy at the same time, but he's always... So quick at just just ripping shreds off people with a big smile on his face. <laughs> it's amazing. It's very good. So uh, this week the Enterprise is heading to a planet called Denever, where Kirk's brother happens to be stationed with his family, and Uhura can't hail anybody on the planet. Oh, poor Uhura. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's mostly what job. she gets to do in this show. <laughs> yeah, mostly she gets to not contact people. <laughs> oh, but how angry does Kirk get with her? Like, oh, oh yeah, that's an, the HR department on that ship is sorely lacking. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the sixties. <laughs> yeah, poor her cops it. 
Spock's plotting the pattern of mass insanity that has been gradually destroying civilizations across this part of the galaxy over the last couple of hundred years, and Denever is next in its path. Sulu detects a ship that's heading directly into the Denevan sun and about to burn up. They pursue it at warp factor eight, and Uhura does a job and gets the single inhabitant on the radio just in time to hear him say, I did it, it's finally gone, I'm free, as the ship burns up and the Enterprise quickly uh, does a U-turn and gets away from the sun just in time. So it's pretty dramatic. I, I don't understand why that was a dramatic scene. Like, just don't go too close to the sun like that. <laughs> like that that's space driving 101. <laughs> They didn't get the tractor beam on him quick enough. Oh, regardless. Just don't go that close. Oh, he's going in. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I mean, what are they going to do by chasing him? They're already talking to Like, talk to him. You can talk to somebody yeah. from far away. Like, just keep doing that. You can't catch him in a net. I don't. Uh, tractor beam. You can catch him with a tractor beam. But they, they, they can't. Remember they did that to that pilot on Earth? When they're back in the 60s, they latched onto the the pilot in his fighter plane and his whole plane broke up around him. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah. They've got a pretty good tractor beam. <laughs> when it's narratively convenient for it to work. <laughs> <laughs> so Uhura finally raises Jim's sister-in-law, Aralyn, on the radio, but all they hear is her crying out, please hurry, help us. I don't have much time. They'll know. Please help us. And then the radio goes dead. <sighs> and that's when um, Uhura cops it from Kirk for... Oh, he's so <laughs> Poor Uhura. <laughs> what is she supposed to do? Really? Oh, man. I work in IT and video conferencing is the biggest nightmare because of somebody else's end fucks up. You're responsible for it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so I know I, I feel for Uhura. <laughs> Poor Uhura. The space receptionist. <laughs> yeah. Saying that last week, she is kind of like the, the old school telephone switchboard operator. I know. Like Beverly in a country practice, but in outer space. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Emily, you're missing out. Not growing up with a country Very practice. <laughs> <laughs> man, I love the tune so much. Harp. You know, it's a show I have heard mentioned so many times and have never seen a second of. <laughs> they had a pet wombat, didn't they? Fatso. Yeah, fat wombat, fatso. Okay, so Kirk, Spock, and McCoy beam down on the planet with a yeoman and two red shirts, and they arrive at a very nice, well-kept city that's completely deserted. Kirk says there are nearly a million people on Denver and 100,000 in this city alone. Where is everyone? Spock's sensors detect that the people are here, but they're in the buildings being strangely quiescent. Uh, I learned a new word. It's very exciting. My my basic regional New South Wales vocabulary is being expanded every episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the background, Adam, is uh, Emily's very well read and quite learned, learned and uh, I struggle with words and syllables. <laughs> <laughs> Do you use the word quiescent in daily conversation? Not in daily conversation, but I would write it down. 
Nice. <laughs> I would make someone else say it. <laughs> Although I've learned not to make Tom Gleason say things like that because he's also from rural New South Wales. And, <laughs> he yeah, is those, too. He's not far from me. <laughs> those words are like ashes in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All we know is footy and twoies, and that's like, it. <laughs> fiercely intelligent. He just, uh, oh yeah, yeah. He and he knows French, <laughs> but hearing him speak French is the weirdest thing you've ever heard. <laughs> I really want to hear that now. Oh, I can't heard, even like, imagine. Oh, See if you can find some episodes of uh, <laughs> Hard Quiz. There's usually something French or Latin, <laughs> Greek going on in the okay. show. <laughs> he gives it a red hot go. Emily, does quiescent come up much at the law firm? You know, it really doesn't. And, I mean, I'm from rural Indiana, which is probably fairly similar. That's a very quiescent part of the world, though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to – every one of these new words I learn, I'm just going to keep dropping it in (laughs) randomly in conversation. (laughs) Suddenly a group of four men run at them, yelling and waving metal bars or, I don't know, whatever they are, like – that is transparent glass tubes or something. Four, four men is possibly the most affordable angry mob I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I watch Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, why am I pretending that there's heaps of them? <laughs> the, the plastic, like, are they, are they nightsticks? What are, like, are they met? I wasn't sure whether this was a thing or whether it was, like, actually a weapon. <laughs> It's yeah. I thought maybe it was like a building material, or <laughs> they just walked past some building site and they're like, "Oh, that you know, everything in the future is made out of plastic see-through crap." Yeah, so <laughs> it was just probably you know, plastic aluminum as they call it, <laughs> transparent <laughs> aluminium as we would call it. Yeah, just some sort of weird perspex rods or something um and they're they're sort of each of them is wearing a different brightly colored jumpsuit so they're like a really sort of violent confusing version of the wiggles (laughs) 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 some weird boy band or something except they're middle-aged and angry um so it's confusing because they're yelling, get, get out of here, go back, we don't want to hurt you. But they're yelling it really angrily and running at them and threatening them. Um, and suddenly they sprint toward the landing party who draw their phasers and stun them. Well, some of them draw their phasers because one of them doesn't have a phaser. And you know who doesn't have a phaser? The one woman in the party. The lady. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Ladies don't need guns. <laughs> They're too busy taking down notes. <laughs> the poor yeoman. So yeoman's that's interesting. Have we seen does yeoman Rand ever draw a phaser? Oh no, she was not allowed because she was on the source. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Don't let Yeoman Rand near the near the locker. She'll be shooting up the place late at night. <laughs> And I've had enough of you. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you grabby asshole. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> she needs it to fight off weird, um, weird troubled teens with godlike mind powers. Oh, I know. So McCoy finds that even though the Wiggles are unconscious now, <laughs> their nervous systems are in a state where they're being violently stimulated. Uh, and suddenly they're interrupted by a woman's scream 
and the landing party. So when you say that, it made me think that they'd all gone out and gotten hammered on Bundy and Red Bull. (laughs) 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 And even though they're asleep, they're really (laughs) twisted. So Bundy is a is a rum in Australia. It's a dark oh. rum. It's t- it tastes awful. I I think it's something. Have you had it with Red Bull? It's yes. surprisingly delicious, <laughs> and will make you punch your best mate. <laughs> <laughs> it never did that. I I I think it's a rite of passage in Australia in your early twenties. You've got to drink Bundy or your late teens oh, or whatever. I got. I got hammered on Bundy and Red Bull and then went to a gay bar with a friend of mine and then he started to shit me and I just punched him in the face. <laughs> what did you want for him? I don't know. <laughs> and then he cried because that's what we do. <laughs> Sounds like a great time. Man, that... Fun with that, I'm on the sauce. <laughs> so, yeah, Bundy has a reputation for making people punchy. It always just made me hyperactive. Yeah. But there you well, go. add that to the Red Bull and woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the landing party run into Kirk's brother Sam's apartment and they find Sam lying on lying dead on the floor. Oh. And his son Peter is unconscious. Sam's wife, Araylan, is screaming. They're here. They they're here. Please keep them away. And she's struggling to cover up a vent in the wall. And uh, so McCoy gives her a Hyper spray to knock her out. And then in the sick bay, Jim asks Aurelian what happened. And we instantly get spooky B grade sci fi organ music. And she explains that the horrible things came eight months ago. They were brought by visitors in their vessel from another planet. And it wasn't the, the ship's crew's fault. The things made them bring their ship here. Uh, the more she talks about the subject, the more Aurelian becomes distressed and starts screaming out in pain. Uh, McCoy gives her another hyper spray and she calms for a moment and explains that the creatures use pain to control them and they need the people as their arms and legs. And then she screams out in pain and suddenly dies. Aww. So Kirk beams back down to join the landing party. Uh, McCoy's oh, oh, by been- the way, I want to say, when she suddenly dies... There is zero attempt made to bring to do anything. There's, there's yeah. no resuscitation. Well, that's Apparently. because she was very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> they were just happy for the quiet. Yeah. Like, oh, thank God the scream stopped. McCoy's gone, oh, man, I, I, I've run out of earplugs and this <laughs> will not stop. <laughs> I am not risking her being awake. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, McCoy's been replaced by Scotty down on the planet and the only thing they've found so far is a distant buzzing noise, so they head to investigate. And they arrive in the a court. The buzzing. The buzzing. <laughs> oh, my God, we're covered in bees. <laughs> <laughs> they, they arrive in a courtyard where the buzzing is the loudest and we finally get the reveal. How would you guys describe <gasps> the creatures? Oh, Rubber. (laughs) (laughs) The attack of the fake vomit people. (laughs) I was going to say that my first thought was fake rubber rubber vomit. It's it's completely rubber vomit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a picture here on the um on the 
a wiki article for this episode, and it looks like like somebody dropped a package of liver or something. It's just it's like <laughs> red and like gooey, and <laughs> it looks it looks a bit like um, you know when you put on one of those face masks. <laughs> After the bath, you're like, no, I'm going to do my skin now. And you've just mixed up way too much. (laughs) (laughs) So wild. So they're they're sort of attached to the walls and the ceiling around this courtyard. And wobbling. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just (laughs) wobbling around, pulsating or breathing. So they're pretty gross. And making a, every now and then, get a close up and a loud squeaking noise. (laughs) Um, suddenly one flies off. <laughs> now, this is, this is the thing that made no sense to me. <laughs> if the rubber pancake mixture <laughs> has the power of flight, <laughs> why do they need people with arms and legs to do stuff for them? <laughs> Surely they can just fling themselves about through space. Yeah. Maybe they get a limited range and it's... <laughs> it's <laughs> they quite... can only go for as far as a neck. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hilarious it's obviously somebody just grabs the the fishing line <laughs> and just reefs them off so they they sort of fly around i don't know if somebody's like up above the set with a fishing oh, rod or something <laughs> it, i don't think it was that complicated <laughs> I think just throwing him like a frisbee yeah that's yeah. it <laughs> I think they're just being flung about by the same stagehand who opens and closes the doors. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you're right, actually. Um, so one flies off and starts flying around the crew over their heads, and uh, it's pretty hilarious. Kirk manages to shoot one down off the ceiling, and it rests on the floor apparently unharmed, and it won't register on Spock's tricorder. So we have another of uh, this isn't life as we know it, type of species um <laughs> spock wants to capture it as a sample but kirk says it isn't safe and might be a trap so they all turn their backs immediately and walk away from the creature and then of course it flies up and latches onto spock's back oh. <laughs> <laughs> you idiots <laughs> i just love it this might be a trap so we're just going to ign- all ignore it and look away it might be a trap so let's ignore it. <laughs> I think that's what the hyphen stands for in the title, Emily. <laughs> Operation Idiots Annihilate. <laughs> that's about it. Um, I'm probably a bit late, sort of halfway through the app, but uh, I'd normally say this is, if, if you're one of the people who likes to watch the episode first, this is, even though it's a very B-grade sort of episode to start off with, it's actually got some really good, pretty serious stuff toward the end. So I'd recommend if you if you, if you you want to pull up the episode now and watch and then come back to us. It's pretty good. Either way. Um, McCoy is in sickbay examining Spock with Nurse Chapel. We haven't seen Nurse Chapel in a while. I love Nurse Chapel. She is awesome. She has very good hair. What's it? Yeah, what's the actor's name again? I can't. Major Barrett. Yes, yeah, wife of Gene Roddenberry's wife. And And, uh, uh, I just love the idea that they're probably at home having a a couple of martinis. She's gone, honey, get someone to write me in. I'm not doing anything (laughs) next week. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, I'm sick of midweek ladies' tennis. I want to put my big wig on. (laughs) 
Well, she's she's in the sound booth anyway, being the computer now and then. (laughs) Also, like she was meant to be the first officer, like when it was yeah when it was originally pitched. So it's like a consolation prize. (laughs) Yeah, that's a pretty pretty big downgrade. Yeah, although she gets to be in love with Spock. I mean, what a what a wonderful, exciting role for someone to play, being in love with someone who can never return your passions. <laughs> oh, yeah. She gets mistreated by Spock a bit later in this too. Yeah. <laughs> her, her number one character from the Christopher Pike pilots actually returned in Discovery. Yes. Played by John Stamos's ex-wife. What's her name? Re- Rebecca Romaine. Rebecca Romaine. Yeah. That's where the hyphen's from. <laughs> hyphen Stamos. Rebecca Remain Stamos. Is she still Remain Stamos or she come back to Remain? No, nah, I think she's just Rebecca Remain now. Yeah. Sorry, I feel bad reducing, uh, introducing someone as somebody's husband, but that's how my Someone's basic, well, she, <laughs> basic brain works. Yeah, I think, didn't they, aren't they no longer a married couple? Yeah, no. So you're, you're, call, you're calling her someone's wife when that is not actually the fact. I, I, you, I, I think I said ex Yeah, I've doubly <laughs> reduced it. <laughs> you are known because of your ex-husband that has a bit part in the new Fuller House, <laughs> which my daughter is watching constantly on Netflix. I think it's on downstairs at the moment. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, Rebecca Romain, um, I'm, I'm not – are you up to date on Discovery, Adam? No, don't. Don't tell me anything. No, I'm, I'm not either, but I've, I've seen – I, don't well know, I think I've only seen one episode with Rebecca Romaine as number one. I know I'm not even that far ahead. The last one I saw was um, Melissa George as the Green Bitch. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't, yeah. that, I didn't even click. Is that season two? Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh man, I've. I mean, she's not back. green, but she's you know the character from the Cage. Oh, man. That oh man, green I'm... at one point. How did I miss that? So Spock has a strange puncture wound and McCoy removes some tentacles that were growing around his spinal cord, but his body is riddled with them. Um, Spock is in terrible pain. Pain! (laughs) (laughs) God, I just love Leonard Nimoy. Like, whatever, and it happens so often in this first season where Spock's intense emotional thing has to happen and it's just... Always ridiculously hilarious to watch. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, as an actor, he's really, you know, he could be a complete ham and he could be a complete hack. And because he has to say the word pain about 14 times through the first season. And there is nothing in his rendering of the word pain in this episode that is anywhere near his rendering of the word pain from uh, The Devil in the Dark. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's that's the one where he really hands it up during he that really goes to town. You know, he was nominated for an Emmy for every single year that this show was on. Really? Yeah. That's well deserved. Yeah, he didn't win one, yeah. but he was nominated. <laughs> <laughs> no one else, no one else in the cast was nominated, but he was nominated every single year this show was on for Best Supporting Actor. Oh, wow. That must have driven Shatner crazy. Oh, Oh, yeah. He mentions it in his autobiography. (laughs) In a nice way. (laughs) How many nominations did Shatner get for awards? What are the sci-fi, the Hugos? You You know, Shatner's, um, Shatner's entire ascendancy as an actor 
is based around <laughs> a, a gallstone. <laughs> he was the understudy for Christopher Plummer in a Shakespeare festival. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and Plummer went down with gallstones, and so Shatner got to step in. <laughs> 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 and was uh, recognised and as you know doing a decent job at short, such short notice, and they went, "Oh, he'd be good at television." <laughs> wow, there you go. <laughs> so then, but yeah, so if not for Christopher Plummer's <laughs> terrible diet, <laughs> I must look into gallstones as a way to get my next promotion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking you out to dinner. We're having nothing but cheese. <laughs> Please don't drink anything. <laughs> Just coffee. Coffee and cheese. That's all you can have. Diuretics and full fat food. <laughs> nice. I'll take my boss out every week. <laughs> um, so Spock leaps out of bed and yells, no, I won't, all of a sudden. And then he shoves poor Nurse Chapel across the room. Oh. And then tries to take the bridge and it takes literally everyone on the ship to fight him off <laughs> until McCoy can sedate him and he's taken back to sick bay under restraints. Spock apologizes for his weakness earlier. I'm sorry for sorry for that bit earlier when I tried to take the ship. <laughs> <laughs> Spock is now engaging his Vulcan mind discipline to overcome the pain and wants to wants to be released, but Kirk says they're going to just wait and see for a bit and see if he can control it or not. Kirk tells McCoy to save Spock and his nephew at all costs, but then McCoy reminds him there are a million people on the planet that are also his responsibility. And then they walk out and leave Spock to work through his pain there in the bed. Uh, <laughs> uh, Spock's fighting to suppress his human side and he's wincing and repeating, I am a Vulcan, there is no pain. <laughs> and then he breaks all of his restraints and heads for the transporter room. So he's done a bit of mindfulness and now he's up in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So good. He tries to fight off Scotty, but Scotty draws his phaser and holds him there until Kirk and McCoy arrive. Spock's composed now and appears not to be compromised by the pain anymore. And uh, Kirk agrees to let him beam down and try and capture one of the creatures so it can be analysed. McCoy is cranky and doesn't want his patient running around out of bed. <laughs> so he's sort of, now he's not so concerned about the million people on the planet that are in jeopardy. Uh, Jim, don't give me some damnable logic about him being the only man for the job. And Kirk replies, I don't have to. We both know he is. Yes, we've got superhero Spock. <laughs> I love it, Spock to the rescue. Uh, Spock is attacked by one guy on the planet, so the budget's gone down for <laughs> crazy mobs. <laughs> Spock manages to fight him off, uh, and as he gets, as Spock gets closer to the buzzing noise, he's visibly affected by the pain. He manages to keep it together and captures one of the creatures and brings it back to the lab on the Enterprise. Spock says it's a single-cell creature resembling a huge single brain cell. Yeah, sure. These creatures operate. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> <Right -o. Okay. laughs> 
These creatures operate together as some sort of larger organism, drawing their strength yeah. from the whole, which makes them resistant to phases. I draw my uh, power from the whole. Oh. <laughs> kind of whole thing. I I'm spelling that differently, my as you were. <laughs> does that make you? Does that make you resistant to phases? <laughs> I'm very, look, I'm very resistant to phases. I've been going through this gay phase for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk says it's so different to any matter we know that it may have come here, planet by planet, from an entirely different galaxy. And then Spock adds from a place where our physical laws do not apply, oh. so it may be difficult to destroy. I, I'm not a scientist, but I would think <laughs> just because it's from a def- different galaxy doesn't mean there's an entirely new set of physical laws. No. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so if it came from a different universe, maybe, then. but surely when it's here it has to abide by the laws of our universe? You'd think so. <laughs> <laughs> McCoy tries to kill the creature with heat and radiation, but it's indestructible. And uh, Kirk says he cannot let the creatures spread beyond this system, even if it means destroying more than a million people on the planet. Spock believes the logical conclusion is to kill himself and everyone on the planet, including Kirk's nephew. McCoy is against uh, mass extermination, but Spock argues that if the threat is allowed to move to nearby colonies, then more than a billion lives would be at stake. Kirk slams his fists on the table and says, I'm putting you gentlemen on the hot seat with me. I want a third alternative. Um, So later, McCoy and Spock walk into Kirk's office and they're utterly defeated. Um, Spock is ready to beam down to the planets to be destroyed and doesn't know how much longer he can hold out against the pain. Pain! Kirk Kirk refuses and talks through how something in the Denovan sun destroyed the creature and freed the Denovan pilot right before he burned up. They've tried intense heat and radiation. What else haven't they tried? Bright light. <gasps> Spock. Oh, what? I thought it was going to be sound. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Just dubstep. I thought it was going to be the shouty sun. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what sort of things is that su- That shouty sun constantly shouting? <laughs> Get off of my lawn. Um, <laughs> I. <laughs> <laughs> but then I realised, you know, the the plastic vomit was more than happy to put up with <laughs> Kirk's sister-in-law's <laughs> insane screeches. <laughs> so it was never going to be the shouty son. <laughs> well done. Um, Spock proposes a solution involving a string of satellites around the planet with burning trimagnesite and trillium. Oh. So they've already got those satellites and all that stuff ready to go <laughs> and um, like the remastered version where they've made the new special effects they're quite nice the little sp- <laughs> the space mm. <laughs> yeah. i like that yeah most of the the remastered ships are a bit dodgy like the shuttle yeah <laughs> a bit basic and ordinary but i, I thought those uh, satellites were pretty cool i noticed that like the the planets and the you know comets and whatever phenomena supernovas all that stuff looks great yeah yeah, anything that's like just like a swirl of light and color is always really good. 
Beautiful. Yeah. Well, they were good at that the first time around. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right, yeah. They had stock photos. So, Adam, you mentioned last night that you, uh, you've you got the Blu-ray version, so you've got both options yeah, can, to watch. So you, you obviously you went with the... You can toggle them on and off. <laughs> oh, really? During the episode? I don't know if you can do it during the episode. Yeah. But, yeah, you can watch it with either, 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 or the... So you, you just went with the new effects? Yeah, yeah. Well, I figured yeah. it was easier to watch it on Netflix than going to get the oh, crack yeah. out the Blu-ray. <laughs> I'm the same. I've got all these Blu-rays and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to get out of the chair. And then you've got to wait like five minutes for the damn thing to load and then it'll probably want to do a software update. <laughs> I watch Netflix it on my PlayStation, so it's always updated. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> No, I've still got a blue like Blu-ray player with no Wi-Fi or anything. Oh, that's for the best. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need to be updated either. <laughs> I had a couple like early on. I had a couple. You put a disc in. It's like this requires a software update. Oh. And everyone's sitting down, ready for a movie. Got their snacks. I'm like, sorry, everybody. I've got to go find a LAN cable. <laughs> <laughs> like a ten minute Java update or some oh, crap. It's no good. McCoy rigs up a test chamber in the lab and exposes the creature to the light of one million candles per square inch. Yeah, that that was an old uh, measurement of <laughs> <laughs> They used to measure light in candles. I think it's still candela, but um, yeah, they. I think it's lumens now. They yeah, measure that's light right. In, but yeah, once upon a time. They measured it in candles. And obviously in the future, we go back to that. <laughs> We've decided that metric is no good. <laughs> yep. Anti-lumens are no good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard, heard, heard of candle power, but yeah, candles per square inch. <laughs> uh, well, candle, the measurement of candlelight was taken, like it started in um, the Victorian era when I think it was uh, – down in the the underground in London, they started it. The the gas board. Um, oh, there you go. And so <laughs> the measurement of a candle was the amount of light emitted by one candle of like maybe sixty grams or something or whatever the you know oh wow like, like a pound or whatever of um of uh, sperm whale. <laughs> <laughs> spermaceti it's like the goo that sits behind a sperm whale's brain uh oh wow so uh, yeah they would dig out a chunk of sperm whale and stick a wick in it <laughs> and however bright that was that was one candle <laughs> is there anything you can't do with whales i know <laughs> so uh mccoy is measuring <laughs> In sperm whales. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So this is these are the stupid facts I learned working in hard quiz. <laughs> someone's, someone's topic was whales. So off I went down a very deep rabbit hole of whaling. <laughs> nice. Have have you been to a trivia night since you've been writing for no. hard quiz? I would be yeah, terrible. Interesting to see how you, I'd just be. You don't. You don't reckon it's up to your trivia game? Oh no, I would be. I'd be fact checking everything and saying what was wrong. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, actually, I think you'll find. It'd just be insufferable. <laughs> I'd be so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like we won during season one, I think it was, we sent a correction to the Encyclopedia Britannica that they had uh, (laughs) (laughs) something incorrect on their website that we had researched and found many other um, sources that said otherwise. And they admitted that, yes, we were right, and they changed the website. The Encyclopedia Britannica. Hard quiz fixed the encyclopedia. (laughs) Nice. So you defeated the encyclopedia. (laughs) The way I see it. We clocked it. (laughs) We clocked facts. (laughs) Oh, man. So who's next on your target list and Carter 95? (laughs) (laughs) That'll be well out of date. (laughs) (laughs) I've still got that on CD somewhere. I can't bring myself to throw it out. (laughs) <laughs> I'd love to um I'd love to get get one over on the chase but given that I wrote for that as well I it would be <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably find holes in one of my own questions. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um so this light of one million candles per square inch is so bright one that one million whale heads. <laughs> <laughs> that even apparently, even someone on the planet in an, in a closed, oh, darkened area. <laughs> yeah, go. The reason they call <laughs> the reason they call it a sperm whale is the spermaceti that they made the candles out of. They thought, even though it comes from behind the brain, we know now they thought it was jizz. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because it was the same kind of consistency. (laughs) (laughs) Science science during the Victoria age was amazing. I know. You could just do anything you wanted. I know. It's probably jizz. All right. (laughs) Jizz whales. No, sperm whales. Use the proper word. Come on. (laughs) Oh, man. I might as well. There you go. I've got my favourite fa- whale fact. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I had always wondered that. I, I honestly I assumed it was because, you know, whales were harvested for everything. I assumed it was because they were harvested for their sperm or something. Well, they were. They yeah. thought that it was the sperm. They yeah, thought well, spermaceti that- was the sperm and it was not. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like like the sperm whale is basically behind the entire industrial revolution like before we were able to turn uh petroleum and stuff into lubricants and create um synthetic lubricants like whale blubber and oils from sperm whales were used in manufacturing and and for greasing wheels and machines like it yeah pretty much how the industrial revolution happened so yeah without them all the all the gears would grind to a halt (laughs) That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah, basically just about everything we do with petroleum now. Yeah, well, originally came from the, <laughs> the head of a whale. <laughs> then they it really, it was <laughs> yeah, like even, even stuff like <laughs> well, like even stuff like shoe polish and everything like that it was all yeah. whale. Yeah, candles. perfume ambergris, which is used uh, in in making perfumes, it still comes from whales. But oh, they really? Just cross their fingers and hope that someone finds it on a beach. That it just washes up, and they, people get hundreds of thousands of dollars for like a ten kilo lump, um, or they get it from Japanese uh, experiments. Uh- wow! <laughs> there you go. So, is is there such a thing as a vegan perfume? Um, 
the, this is one of the reasons they will not reveal the ingredients of perfume. They say it's because, oh, if anyone had the recipe, then they could make their own. But the real reason is uh, they're still using males. <laughs> Shit. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, uh, this is an expose episode of Who's Dead, Jim. <laughs> we've, we've gone well away from Operation Annihilate. <laughs> <laughs> Blowing the lid off the whole entire <laughs> perfume and cosmetics industry. And whale juice. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, apparently this this light is so bright that at, at one million candles that even someone in a closed, dark area. <laughs> even, even Jonah. <laughs> Stuck within the whale's belly would be illuminated. <laughs> Um, they all, all, all the, uh, so McCoy and Kirk put on their space welding goggles and McCoy hits the switch and it works and the creature's totally destroyed. And now Spock wants to run the experiment on himself. How, how did McCoy not see that they were redheads under the microscope? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) <laughs> He's got a space microscope from the future. <laughs> now, Spock wants to run the experiment on himself to see if it'll rid the creature from his body. And McCoy warns him that the blinding light of one million candles per square inch will be dangerous for his optic nerves. Oh, no. But they agree it must be done. Don't do it. <laughs> oh, it's tense. Spock refuses safety goggles because the people on Denver won't have access to any goggles. And it's super oh. tense now. You get dramatic music. Spock goes and sits down in the chair and they close the door. Miss um, uh, McCoy turns to Kirk and says, Mr. Spock's the best first officer in the fleet. Oh. And Kirk tells him to proceed. McCoy, the honesty. <laughs> <laughs> McCoy hits the switch and afterwards Spock declares the experiment was a success. And he's free of the creature and the pain as he walks and bumps straight into a table and says, I am also quite blind. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm sure this will carry on throughout the rest of the series. We're going to (laughs) get a really intense examination of what this does to Spark and how he copes with it. Next week, he'll just have a visor like Geordie LaForge. (laughs) An equitable trade, Doctor. Thank you. Just then, Nurse Chapel walks in with the results of the first test on the creature's remains. Spock didn't need to be blinded. They only needed to use infrared light. Maybe wait for the lab results before you try it on the person. Uh, Yeah, it'd be good. (laughs) I'm getting desperate. (laughs) So they didn't need to use the whole spectrum. Oh, no. And McCoy's like, oh, no, if only I waited like one minute. (laughs) (laughs) Kirk's And I have to say, the way Kirk reacts to that is what makes me think he and Spock are bumming. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty pretty intense moment. Like, Kirk is is shaking and he grits his teeth and says, bones! And it's quite a... Quite accusingly, but then he follows up with, take care of him, and then he storms out and leaves for the bridge. We cut to CGI shots of probes being deployed. (laughs) (laughs) 
still looks a bit like a cut scene from a 90s video game, but it's, I don't know, it's good. I liked it. <laughs> and then they're firing uh, beams of light at the planet. Actually, I think we only see one probe, so it's again, they're keeping the budget down. <laughs> one probe, <laughs> one angry mob. <laughs> Uh, then we get the original shots of the creatures on the planet's surface bathed in red light and burning up, smoke billowing out of them, and it's a success. Oh, phew. Kirk raises McCoy and says, Bones, it, it wasn't your fault, but McCoy just sits in silence and doesn't reply. Oh. Later, Spock arrives on the bridge with McCoy and Spock's eyesight has completely returned. What? <laughs> What? What is this crazy Deus Ex Machina? <laughs> oh, it's great. <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> I could not see this coming if I was Spock before. <laughs> That's right. You think Spock would have some sort of idea. Um Spock's eyesight's returned because he's a Vulcan with a second set of internal eyelids that act as a shield against the high-intensity light from the Vulcan sun. I didn't think Vulcan in other later stuff, Vulcan's that bright, is it? Oh, it's a bit dry. (laughs) 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 It's implied that it's fairly hot. Yeah, so I don't know. They've they've evolved to the uh, they've evolved to the point where they don't need uh, eye drops or anything. <laughs> Spock says it's uh, totally instinctive, and we tend to ignore it as you ignore your own appendix. So I just ignored it for a bit and let um, McCoy have a near breakdown over <laughs> <laughs> destroying his patient. And then we get our bit of comic relief at the end. Kirk says that regaining your eyesight would be a very emotional experience for most. Uh, You, I assume, Spock, felt nothing. And Spock says, quite the contrary, Captain. I had a very strong reaction. My first sight was Dr. McCoy bending over me. (laughs) I told you. So now Kirk's jealous. <laughs> He's totally um, jealous. I, I wanted it to, to be, be me. <laughs> <laughs> so I think to be fair, the actual line is that my first sight is his face bending over me. But uh, <laughs> um, McCoy replies. <laughs> <laughs> McCoy replies that it's uh, a pity the experience didn't give Spock a better appreciation for beauty. Some crap like that. (laughs) And then uh, McCoy whispers to to Kirk, uh, please don't tell Spock that I said he was the best officer in the fleet. (laughs) And then Spock hears perfectly and turns around and thanks McCoy. And Kirk says, you've been so concerned about his Vulcan eyes, Dr. McCoy, you forgot about his Vulcan ears. Oh, my God. And how much does Shatner... Lean on the word Vulcan. (laughs) (laughs) He's going, oh, this is space swearing. I get it. (laughs) Forgot about his his Vulcan eyes. Forgot about his Vulcan ears. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm going to start using those swear words. F word substitute. This Vulcan computer. That's I mean, so many times McCoy does it. Like, he's like, Vulcan mind. 
<laughs> well, well, when when McCoy does it, it's like a racial slur. Yeah. Right. It is a little bit. <laughs> Using someone's race as a swear word probably is just in general a racial slur. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so good. Oh. And then onward warp factor one as we finish the first season. Oh, have you enjoyed it, the first season? I have. I have. This is the, the closest I've paid attention to probably any TV show. Oh, oh that's right. <laughs> and I think I've gradually become slightly more observant. <laughs> You're a multi-screen man, aren't you? I can <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. I have a terrible phone addiction. Um <laughs> But yeah, yeah, no, it's it's been great. I, I I'm glad the what was that terrible episode we had a couple of weeks ago? Uh, um, alternate factor, alternative factor. Yeah, oh. with old mate with the shocking goatee, and I'm so glad we didn't get that first. <laughs> <laughs> I would have given up all hope. <laughs> Cancelled my Netflix subscription. Which one? I'm trying to think. Yeah. Factor? Yeah, it's the one where there's like a. This they find this guy and he's like fighting an oh, alternate version of himself. Lazarus. By the but, fact that there's someone else like him, is that the one? Yeah, yeah, and like we only, yeah, we only see it in like this weird, like photo yeah. negative, like two silhouettes fighting each other. Yeah, and mo- it's most of the episode garbage. is the screen spinning around and going back and forward between this photo negative. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that one. That was negative. Although you had the city on the edge of forever last week, which is the best. Oh, so good. Oh, so good. That'd have to be my favorite. Yeah. For the season. It's Harlan Ellison, who's like, you know, my favorite writer when I was a teenager. I think everyone goes through a Harlan Ellison phase in their late <laughs> teens, early 20s. Uh, <laughs> you're in sci fi. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's. It's so good. I've even got like his, he wrote the original script or published the original script yeah. that was changed. And there's, that was my next there question. There is a great anecdote in there about when uh, he, Shatner wanted to have a look at it. So he said, yeah, come over, read it. Um, and he was watching Shatner read the script and realised Shatner was counting his lines. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure he had the most. <laughs> oh no! Say, <laughs> so, oh, he didn't really come over here to read this to make sure it was any good. He came over to make sure it was any good for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Know, so, <laughs> so there, there are no episodes where Shatner's not not in the episode where he's away no, doing something. That would never happen. Because <laughs> I think. Like next generation, there's there must be episodes where Picard's off doing something or it's sick. Well, yeah, because that was the whole thing with um, when Roddenberry made the new one was like, well, the captain shouldn't leave the ship; it should be all about riding yeah. down to the planet. And yeah, so there's a lot of uh, Picard being left high and dry with nothing to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In fact, it's mostly Wesley that does stuff for the first three years. <laughs> 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 oh, Emily, I feel your pain. <laughs> even because you know, I was watching Next Generation when I was a kid, and even then, I hated that character. Yeah. yeah. Are there big Wesley fans out there? 
probably they want, wanted his role expanded. No, maybe, maybe just people who like that he's a curmudgeonly old freak now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and has been in Big Bang Theory. But I think, yeah, no, Wesley was no good. He was good towards mm. like the end when they started treating him like you know a, a normal grown up. Yeah, and he had someone growing up. He had special, some sort of special ability to travel through space and time. Oh, yeah, that came back. That was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, because he goes off with the traveler, and that's dumb. Yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> but at least, you know, they wrapped up a storyline. <laughs> <laughs> Something actually happened to a character that carried on to another point. <laughs> Yeah, character had development. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't really start to see that in Trek until Deep Space Nine. No, oh my God, that's the best one. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm always glad when people oh, say that. So good. Yeah, em- Emily's a massive Deep Space Nine fan. Oh, it is the best. I mean, it's tragically blurry on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and mostly you can skip the first season. Well, I mean, watch the pilot because it sets some stuff up, but then. Oh, no, there's a couple of really good ones. Like there's – is Duet in the first series? That's a good one. It might one. be – yeah, that's the first or second. But there's also like Move Along Home and – Oh, which is dumb. But, <laughs> you know. <it's> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not horrible. <laughs> All right, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but then you get like once the once the war kicks up, that, oh, yeah. And then you Once get, Wolf yeah. turns up. <laughs> <laughs> and anything with like anything with Garrick is amazing. Oh, he's Andrew Robinson is a great actor. Like I've loved him ever since he was the creepy serial killer from uh Dirty Harry. Oh, was he really? Yes. Oh man, with oh, the bus full of school kids and everything. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love the Dirty Harry movies. Yes. So good. I always get confused about which order they're meant to be in. Well, Dirty Harry's first. <laughs> Good start. <laughs> then after that, you can make your own way. Okay. <laughs> I just like what's the one of the other ones where he, um, where Dirty Harry just runs onto a plane. There's a hijacking and basically runs straight onto a plane and shoots the hijacker through a wall. Yeah, he's got a very powerful gun. <laughs> yeah, it shoots him point blank times. in the head and then the whole the whole siege and everything's just over immediately. Yeah. He's, so good. He's Dirty Harry. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love the tunes too. So good. <laughs> That's my that's my favorite style of music. Seventies oh. <laughs> <70s> cough show. <laughs> so, so Emily, what's been? What do you think's been your favorite episode of this season? I mean, you can't really do better than City on Edge of Forever in just terms of it is yeah. it is the best episode. Maybe the one I enjoyed the most might be uh, Squire of Gothos. Just because I love that yes. ridiculous performance so much, and his whole like the <laughs> military, like the French military outfit, and I don't know, it just it just sort of hits all the right original series weirdness buttons for me. Man, that that actor's great. 
I I really liked The Conscience of the King. I remember that being one of my favourites because it was like properly Shakespearean. Actually, that was written by, oh no, directed by the same guy that directed the terrible episode with the goatee, the alternative factor. And we're like, yes, we don't have to watch anything you did again. (laughs) (laughs) How do you feel about Harry Mudd? (laughs) Uh, I like him better in Discovery. (laughs) He's, He's dark in Discovery. Yeah. I, I just can't get past his ridiculous accent. I don't know if it's Irish or. or... Uh, I think it's just generic European. <laughs> yeah. Do we see more of Harry Mudd in the next couple of seasons? I think there's another. Yeah, I think Harry comes up again. Yeah, I find him. Yeah, he's not my favourite character. <laughs> no. Although, you know, there are so many omnipotent characters in the show. It's nice to have someone who's just a person. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is kind of the. He's kind of the Q without the god powers, isn't he? Yeah, the god powers just so annoying. Like, I think it was. I don't know. I think Roddenberry was obsessed with god powers. Yeah, yep. every like every second episode is some omnipotent Lula. Well, I love the Christopher Pike pilot where the aliens have, in order to operate their god powers, they have giant throbbing brains. (laughs) Very peculiar. (laughs) It's a good sci-fi trope. Um, What what do you think is your favourite episode from the original series, Adam? From the whole original series? Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, look... You can't really go past the uh, city on the edge of forever. It's yep. like, and you've got, you know, lunatic McCoy. Like, how much fun is that? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty damn good. <laughs> He's taken all the drugs at once. <laughs> That's very good. Oh man, isn't he? He does a bit of that, just yelling out "kill, kill" constantly. Or so. Oh no, it's something weird like yelling about traitors. Oh and yeah, it's good. Whatever it is, good gear. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any other sort of? Do you have like a fun favorite? Or um, uh, they're all fun. Like you know, there's the ones that are deliberately fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, there's – they're all very peculiar. Yeah. I love the – what was the McCoy fairy tale one where they land on a planet that's like an amusement park for aliens to go to or whatever and they end up with McCoy sees Alice in Wonderland and the, oh, the white the, rabbit or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a weird one. <laughs> that's um, – oh, what is that one? That is – Totally and Jim mean. fights an Irish guy. <laughs> <laughs> Those crazy Irish. And we get the weird sort of Irish jig music every time they fight. And then McCoy gets all the ladies at the end. Oh, my God. Is that surely? Yeah, surely. Like that's it. Yeah. Yeah, Man, yeah, that's yeah, wild. yeah. Yeah, McCoy goes on surely. I also like the Space Seed because yes. I love the Wrath of Khan so much. <laughs> <laughs> You love a an an oiled well, I up Khan. Like, I just like watching that performance. Just oh, watching oh. Khan be Khan. Montalban. Like, Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing about um the Wrath of Khan is the fact that Shatner and Montalban 
uh, trying to outact one another while not being able to see each other. <laughs> like, <laughs> like oh, they're just stagehands reading the other uh, the other's lines to each other. So they're just like going. <laughs> I reckon I know where he's pitched this. I'm going to go higher. (laughs) (laughs) It is spectacular. Oh, man. I can't wait till we get to Wrath of Khan. Oh, it is just amazing. (laughs) So good. Um, So the other thing I was was just going to ask your advice, have you seen much of the animated series? Um, Yes, I've watched them all. So what we thought we're going to do is just between seasons, we're probably just going to go back and rewatch a, a couple of standout apps from the animated series. So let me know if you've got any any favourites or any standouts you think oh, are you worth watching. Watch them all. They're all canon. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind watching them all. I do want to get on to the next season though. So. <laughs> no, no, no. When you get to the end of season three because it came afterwards and it's all the same writers and they were using scripts that were already on hand uh, for when they were going to do season four. Like it's, it's an actual show. You need to watch them all. And they're only no. half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> you could do... Three per episode, although then annoying stock music will drive you crazy after a while. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah, I love some of the wild creatures too. They look exciting. I remember there's like a giant bird on the <laughs> on the Starfleet crew or a pterodactyl <laughs> or something. It looked exciting. Just one of their everyday <laughs> offices. Just trying to find the – oh, yeah, so we've got, we've got some German pals actually that have – they've doing this they've they've done the same podcast they've actually got the same theme music as us um from trek um dynstag which i can't pronounce properly (laughs) (laughs) apologies for that uh but they're so they've finished original series and they're into the animated one now so i might check in with them too and see what advice they've got but i know there's there's an episode with uh dragons like an actual dragon or spock encounters a dragon or something that so that's one we want to check out so I guess I'll put that out to the listeners if there's any animated series apps you reckon we should check out. Well, you know, one of we... them is written by uh, Walter Koenig, who plays Chekhov. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Ooh, okay. okay. We'll look out that for goes that on the list, definitely. Yeah, there was – because that was uh, – yeah, that was one of my questions, I think, because um, we had – Star Trek was a, a topic on Hard Quiz. Um, oh, sweet. And I foolishly said I'll do it. Because I know a lot about Star Trek, and then the, my first draft, everyone's like, "This is impenetrable, Adam. We need some simple questions." <laughs> In the first round, I'm like, "Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right." I'm gonna be dumb, Okanjalada, Tanagra. Have you seen it? Uh, somebody, I don't know, it pops up in my feed because Facebook's got my number. But <laughs> there's a somebody's made like a, a an '80s rock band shirt called Darmok and Jalad at Tanangra, but it's meant to be like at you know at Big Day Out or at, at Woodstock, right. and it's just got. Um, have you seen that? No, but I love no, it. No, it's, it's got Picard there with a guitar and, <laughs> and a singlet on. <laughs> I really want that shirt. Oh man, so niche. That episode, uh, I think that's a good episode. It's really annoying to start off with until you figure out why this guy keeps saying this gibberish over and over again. <laughs> we watched the one where Spock goes back to the past on Vulcan and 
helps himself out when he's a child or something helps him overcome something and then he's <laughs> well because there's some sort of like vulcan there's some sort of vulcan rite of passage yeah. or something that he has to pass and then he has some yeah he has some like cat creature who saves his life and dies <laughs> battle cat <laughs> <laughs> it's really good <laughs> Yeah, they went back to the portal on that one. So something had gone wrong in the timeline. Yeah. So they went back to see the portal from City in the Edge of Forever. Oh, yeah, to the Guardians of Forever. Like, what's up, self-aware portal? Not much. <laughs> 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 Bit of small talk and then just dive in again. <laughs> so good. Well, it's wonderful. It Anybody got any good. final thoughts? No, I, just, yeah. you know, if you see plastic vomit, beware. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if it starts flapping around and squeaking. Yeah. Terrifying. I mean, if you want to watch Star Trek Mind Control Alien episode, watch The Next Generation uh, Conspiracy, which is much, much better of Mind Control Parasites. Yeah, but and but also really gross in parts. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and they go in through the neck, and you see the little like tail sticking out. Ugh. Yeah, Ugh. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's better than just a rubber thing just getting thrown at Spock's back and bouncing <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful, uh, Adam. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh no, I've got nothing. It's hard quiz if you watch the if you're in Australia and you can get the ABC Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> um, so good otherwise you can sign up for my newsletter uh, at adamrichard.com I put one of those out about once a month at the moment I'm talking about my weight loss it's very inspirational <laughs> it is very good you've inspired me oh, really? <laughs> <I'll need it. laughs> you call yourself inspirational <laughs> no, I didn't think it was. People keep saying you've inspired me, so I'm like, oh well. Who am I to argue with popular opinion? I'm inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I'll I'll put a link to that in the show notes. If you ever if you're ever in Australia and you get a chance to see Adam do stand up, definitely do it. You're oh, one I haven't of my done a since July, so that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you do. I, I remember a couple of years ago I saw you out here at I think it was Karina Leagues Club. Oh Jesus. Just one of the suburban sort of gigs on the Brisbane circuit. And I think, yeah, you're doing like a split bill with Fiona McGarry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. And and um you're doing this bit about how all the crazy vocal acrobatics that contestants oh, do yes, on the, uh, like the voice in American my, uh, Idol. Australian Idol bit that I held on to for so long it became an X Factor bit and then the voice. <laughs> <laughs> so good though. And it just just you've I'd never heard you sing before and you just burst out like and actually like done like a tremendous job far better than I've ever seen on the oh, voice. You watch that on YouTube. That I did that yes. on Spicks and Specs once. <laughs> that is the most watched Spicks and Specs video of all time, by the way. Well, there you Even go. Even more yeah, than Adam and Hamish Pashing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look that up that's that's uh that's awesome uh and yes you, you you can see it on spicks and specs but you can't see it at karina leagues club no. <laughs> it was, 
<laughs> and that ended with a, a standing ovation. I've never seen a comedy set get a standing ovation. I was up out of my seat. I'm like, holy shit, this is one of the best things I've ever seen. I think I almost had tears in my eyes. Yeah, mum and I had a close. <laughs> I did do so 22 good. years of this shit to not be able to finish a gig. <laughs> so good. I was seeing Adam Richard, but I was hearing Mariah Carey. I'm like, what the <laughs> I do her hand movement. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So please, please come back. Just for me, please come back to Brisbane and do that again. <laughs> I do love Brisbane. It's my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. I look forward to it. Emily, you're about to have a couple of weeks off and go to, to uh, when, so Star Wars Celebration, that's this week? Um, it is... Yeah, Thursday through Monday in Chicago. And then after that, I'm visiting my parents for a couple of days in Indiana. Excellent. So, a couple weeks off. There you go. If you happen to be a Star Wars fan, so it's a, I take it's a Steel Wars live show where your erotic fan fictional debut. Oh yeah, well it's not the debut. The debut was at last celebration. <laughs> yeah. Well, the latest, the latest chapter. Yeah, it's. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be because Steele's doing a party Saturday night that's going to have a live podcast component and they're going to, he has a, I don't, I don't know who's reading it aloud yet. I feel very sorry for them, but yeah, somebody's reading <laughs> Please it Please tell me that's so it good. involves um, robot sex. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't involve robot sex, oh. I will tell you, because this, I mean, there's no way Mick's going to get this edited beforehand, but it is. How because, do you know? Because <laughs> you haven't got up last one, last week. Because <laughs> 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 because I'm obsessed with Ben Mendelsohn, it is, it is Krennic and uh, Grand Moff no! Oh, and it is real yes. Grand Moff Tarkin or the cartoon? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did put it. I did put in a line something about how he he catches his reflection in the mirror uh, in a window, and for a second he looks more like a digitally rendered creation <laughs> than a flesh and blood man. I thought that was really weird that they yeah that they recast some people and then went oh no we'll just we'll just do a. We'll just grab some some of Peter Cushing from the Clone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Very strange. So good. Oh well, I, I, yeah, I can't wait to see who's who's cast in those roles. <laughs> uh, Adam, the last one I think that Emily wrote was it was Krennic and Mon Mothma. Is that right? <laughs> Krennic is getting a bat. Yeah, it was. It was an epic love story. And uh, Mon Mothma was voiced by Maud Garrett. <laughs> oh, heaven. She would have loved that. Uh, and uh, I think Krennic was voiced by Randy. Is that right? No, uh, Randy uh, narrated it and uh, oh, Jason yeah. Ward did, I guess, an Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> was it anything like Ted Danson's? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was maybe even worse than that no oh man that is inconceivable <laughs> at least ted dancer's doing a silly accent on purpose oh no um, i think he did it and then they wrote it in <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> but what's the the lady that plays um we're talking about the good place the lady that plays chidi's love interest in that last season 
and she's actually meant to be Australian, but I think she's a, like a British actress. Her Australian accent is awful. Oh, see, I find it passable at the very least. It's not oh, as, like there are some really bad, like his best mate. <laughs> <laughs> who was um who yeah. was <laughs> I thought I thought he was fine. I thought he was passable. <laughs> He's awful. <laughs> I prefer Quentin Tarantino's Australian oh. accent and whatever that movie was. So why why do people do it? <laughs> because we're in, because we're very silly and we're an easy target. Oh, we are. <laughs> <laughs> So good. Uh, so, Emily, are you doing any anything for Canterbite Dispatch while you're there? Or are you just chilling and having a break? Um, we might like record some, although that like because I, I we have friends who are bringing podcasting equipment so that we might borrow. But Wait. I kind of don't want to focus on that. I mean, even though we do a Star Wars podcast, I'm like, uh, we might just do it all when we get back because yeah. I want to have fun and not worry about. Like reporting news that everybody else is already going to know anyway. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, every Star Wars podcast talks about it. <laughs> have fun. Have the best time. Say say hi to former guest Catherine Neen. Oh yeah, I'm so excited to finally meet her. You guys are going to have a ball. So exciting. Uh, how do we how do we follow you on Canterbite Dispatch for when you're back and recapping? Um. We are, you know, on your podcatcher, of course, just look up Cantobite Dispatch or find us on Twitter or Instagram at Cantobite Pod. Wonderful. And we're, of course, we're at He's Dead Jim Pod on your favorite social media things. Shoot us an email, He's Dead Jim Pod at gmail.com. Let us know what little animated series apps or any treats you want us to cover off uh, between the seasons and then we'll be back uh, soon for a mock time I uh, just wanted to say a big thank you to Sylvain Clue for shredding the guitar on our, our wicked intro music and uh, Yvonne Jacques that's, uh, for playing our chilled jazz that we're talking over right now and uh, links to the, the full versions are on their, on their YouTube channels are in the show notes uh, and thank you so much, everybody, for listening. It's been a lot of fun. Pain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the, that's that's the new sign. <laughs> nice. Okay. 